Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, founder of drbarrypierre.com, as well as the CEO of Pierre Medical Consulting, helping you empower yourself for better health with the number one podcast for patient advocacy and affirmation. This week, we are bringing you an episode about COVID-19, more importantly, a COVID-19 vaccine update for kids. Um, at the time of this recording, the FDA has officially authorized the Moderna as well as Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines for kids six months to five years old. This is, again, one of the last hurdles that we have been waiting for. I'm excited to talk about it. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and share this out to 10 of your friends to let them know that a COVID-19 vaccine for kids is on the way, and Dr. Barry Pierre is about to talk about it. All right, welcome to another episode of Medicine Mondays. I am yours truly, Dr. Barry Pierre, your favorite board-certified internist, host of Medicine Mondays, as well as Real Physician Reacts. Make sure you are subscribed to our YouTube channel. Make sure you keep up to date with both of our uh, YouTube series. This week, we are going to be talking about the recent FDA approval. And this is actually approval that a lot of parents, grandparents, caretakers uh, here in this country have been waiting for. We have the official approval from the FDA for both Moderna as well as Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine for kids under the age of five, uh, more specifically from the age of six months uh, to five years old. Now, this has been the last kind of straw that we've been holding out and waiting for, like during this pandemic. And just to kind of give some kind of brief kind of background update on what's been kind of going on, as we know, pandemic started and, you know, subsequently as treatments and as you know, time has gotten, um, we've gotten the 18 and older, then we've gotten the, uh, you know, uh, five to 11, right? So I'm um, 11 to 18 and five to 11. So we've gotten so many different age brackets uh, where they could finally be covered for COVID-19. And, but the last unfortunate sliver, which again, obviously took the longest just because of, you know, the population you're working with, the number of, you know, subjects that you can have to do your uh, testing on, um, you know, was smaller, right? So it, unfortunately, of course, it was going to take a longer time to get to that point. And of course, you'd obviously want to make sure that, you know, the, the adults and those who are older can kind of handle it just so you can kind of give yourself a barometer of, you know, what, what do we think like kids um, you know, especially again, as, as young as six months um, can deal with as far as this COVID-19, right? So uh, just a quick, um, again, quick uh, update just for, for you guys, right? Again, FDA approves both Moderna and Pfizer, six months to five years old. The Moderna version is actually a two-dose version of the COVID-19 vaccine that's about one month apart. And the Pfizer, um, which is a little bit different, is a three-dose regimen. This regimen, um, the first two doses are about three weeks apart. And the third dose is about eight weeks from the second dose, right? Just for parents who are kind of, you know, trying to pick and choose, like, all right, which one should I go with? Now, of course, um, overall, both of the doses for both Moderna and Pfizer are lower concentrations than the adult doses, which obviously makes sense. We should not have to 
you know, give the same dosage uh, in adult that you would give to the kids, right? There's no medications where that occurs, right? Where the same dose that a four-year-old could take is the exact dose you're going to give to a kid, right? So of course, and again, when I when I talk about, you know, some of these steps, right? And again, we're not going to get real science and everything else, because I know, especially for a lot of my lunch learner listeners, Medicine Monday watchers, right? That Y'all don't really come for this, right? Y'all really come for the more like succinct, uh, simple way of explaining all of this craziness that's happening in healthcare. So we had to work on an effective dose that we knew that, hey, based on an immune response, which again is just more lab testing uh, that we see in results, what is the smallest that I can give a child to have similar responses? So that's where a lot of the trials and the workings of to this point have been on. Like the work has been like, all right, what is the smallest amount of COVID vaccine I can give to a child that will elicit the same immune response uh, in an adult, right? You know, for just for, you know, layman's terms, so we can kind of get an idea, kind of wrap our head. And again, Moderna uh, was able to break it down to two doses and Pfizer was able to break it down to three doses, right? And I want to kind of give some breakdown on statistics, right? Because I think a big issue, especially when it comes to COVID-19 and uh, their vaccine and those who are against it for lots of different reasons um, is always this issue of like, oh, well, you know, it was only one to two percent, right? Like they were always that was something that they always quoted. This episode is brought to you by the Autism and Black Conference. The theme this year is culturally responsive parenting and advocacy. The CEO and founder Maria Davis Pierre wants you to join us for two full days of powerful discussions about autism in the black community to help empower all of our attendees by providing them with the resources to help better serve their families and their community. Uh, this year's conference is general mission from june 25th to 26th and the vip day is june 24th uh, please go to drbearpierre.com forward slash aib conference 22 for more details sorry to break your concentration i know you're probably knee deep into today's episode but do not forget check out our lunch and learn community store shop.drbearpierre.com remember to use the code empower10 and make sure you are leaving us a five-star review, especially on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Now I can assure you, if you have people who are in your, your circle or near your circle who are arguing over the fact that, hey, only one to 2% of you know, you know, people who get COVID um, will die, um, their, their arguments are going to be even louder, right? Especially when we think about kids, right? Because fortunately, um, we don't have one to 2% of kids dying uh, from COVID-19. But my 100% rebuttal every time they try to mention that kids have an even lower significant rate is, okay, what is the percentage of kids you are okay dying from COVID-19, right? And usually the answer is zero. They're okay they're, they're not okay with any percentage of kids dying, right? Well, I said, okay. So if you're not okay with, if, if you're okay that 0% of people uh, die from COVID, then you should be okay with a vaccine that's going to eliminate the small uh, sliver that we have, right? So let's just give some facts. Um, I got this facts from the American Academy of Pediatrics, as well as the Children's Hospital Association, as well as UNICEF as well, just so we can kind of get an idea of where we kind of pulling these numbers from. Um, I will put the link to some of the data I'm reading in the description or the show notes, um, depending on whether you're watching me or where you listen to me on the podcast. So 
Um, since the beginning of the pandemic, 13.5 million cases of COVID-19 have been diagnosed in kids under the age of 18. And an even a more important sliver of information, which is why parents, caretakers, and you know, physicians and public health officials across, especially here in the United States, have been really clamoring for this vaccine for kids, is that just in the year 2022, 5.7 million of those cases have been diagnosed in kids. Again, we are, depending on when you listen to this, watch this, uh, we are about halfway marked through the year, right? And approximately 50% of the total cases of COVID-19 in children were diagnosed this year. Now, you may be asking like, well, what, what happened? Well, let's be honest, right? The primary reservoir for kids getting COVID-19 were adults. So yes, you had a lot of adults getting COVID-19, but during that time, especially during the hay time, you know, people were uh, either vaccinating, people were wearing masks, they were social, they were doing all of the things to try to protect themselves from other adults. But in, you know, in doing so, they're also protecting the kids as well. But of course, what has happened really since, you know, really the beginning of this year, um, you know, it really sped up before, but like really beginning of this year is if you had, you know, mass mandates being struck down, travel um, you know, restriction being struck down, people ripping off their masks, social distancing going away. So you've had all of these things that kind of reverted back to the mean. So what's occurred is that you had more and more adults, especially with these recent kind of Omicron waves and the sub variant of the Omicron waves. I'll put this in the description. Uh, I'll put some of the, 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 the um, episodes I've done on it in, in the show notes as well. Because you've had these waves kind of pick back up again, of course, who do you think will be more affected, right? These kids who really have never had a chance to be protected because, again, it's taken a while for the vaccine and the protection of said vaccines to get to them, right? So we've had approximately 50% of our total cases of the pandemic being diagnosed this year, right? This is why when we talk about COVID-19 and our concern, like, we are really, really, you know, fearful because we know that the cases in children have been rising so rapidly. So just because, you know, it's not on CNN anymore, it's not on MSNBC, you know, not on Fox, right? Like, just because you don't see the constant news associated with COVID-19 does not mean that it's not ravaging certain populations. It's just that the population that is ravaging, people are okay with it ravaging, and they're not, again, the fanfare isn't there. Um, uh, again, kids make up, uh, we, we talked about 13% of the newly weekly cases of COVID-19 are due to kids under the age of 18. Kids range from 0.1 to 1.5% of total hospitalizations uh, from COVID. Um, the mortality rate of COVID-19 for kids under the age of, I believe, 20 uh, per UNICEF is about 0.4%. And remember that um, these numbers, especially when I think about it, right, and this is what's more scary than anything else, even though I'm able to report how significant some of these numbers are, this is because, and this is with knowing that there are several states uh, here in this country that have either stopped reporting, don't report their numbers, um, you know, as as well as they used to before, Um or, or even took out some of the, the measures, right? Like they used to report the kids, but now they don't report the kids. They used to report this, but now they don't report that, right? So this is despite all of that information and knowing that we have several states, again, we're not gonna call it the states. I stay in the state of Florida. So, you know, 
think about I'll call that Florida because I'm in Florida. Um, but like think about that, knowing that we have several states that aren't even reporting their numbers accurately. Then when we think about this aspect, and I, I talked about this on prior shows, this aspect that you are now getting COVID-19 vaccine tests set to your house, right? So in the comfort of your own home, you can now diagnose yourself with COVID-19. But like if you diagnose yourself with COVID-19, are you actually reporting it to a public health agency so they can record that number? No, you're not. Right. So that this is where when I when I talk about and I, I've, I've seen people try to argue this aspect of like, oh, you know, the cases are going down the numbers are going down. Like, look. And I say, well, remember, like again, we have more states that are purposely not reporting their numbers. We again, for various reasons, we have more home tests. So despite the fact that we don't get the nationally reported numbers. There's a lot of people still being diagnosed with COVID-19. And we're here in this country, the United States of America, we're having to rely on a level of an honor system. Let's just think about that, right? I have to rely on the honor system that if you have a cold at home, you get a fever at home, you get a cough at home, and then you happen to have these tests just sitting around. I got like, I think I got like two or three of them around here. And I test positive. You're relying on an honest system that's going to say, you know what? I'm not going to go to work because I got COVID-19. Like you're relying on that type of honest system, which we know, let's be honest, we're in the United States of America. That ain't happening. And even on the flip side, if I know that me reporting, let's say to my boss, hey, I got COVID-19, I can't come to work, means I can't come to work. During a time where, especially if you're financially inclined, you know, recession and inflation, everything else, like that means I can't pay a bill, right? So I can't even afford to be sick. And this is obviously something that we found um, significant during uh, the initial stages of the pandemic, that there are a lot of people who are sick, but they had to go to work because they literally could not afford to just take off. And it was financially devastating for them uh, to to take off, to not go to work, to be, you know, in quarantine. It was financially devastating for a lot of people. So again, we have these numbers here, especially when we think about these COVID, COVID facts that like we understand, I understand all of the push and pull associated with, you know, the diagnosis of COVID-19, especially in your children. What does that mean? And I was, I was following someone, I, uh, it was a good video. I wish if I could find it, I'll put it in the link um, in the description as well, where, he, he was talking about like, hey, you know what? We've kind of drawn this line in the sand, right? If if the in the year 2022, if you are not vaccinated in year 2022, like there's no reason for you to make up any random excuse. You weren't, you're not getting vaccinated. Like there's not a reason that's going to uh, turn it around unless one of your family members get definitely ill. And, you know, but like hopefully it doesn't get to that point. But unfortunately, it usually does. There's not a reason in 2022 that you're just going to turn around and get vaccinated. So we are no longer actually having conversations with you, right? Like we are just holding out hope that we can get some vaccines for our children. Because once we can take care of our children, and that's always been the big issue, right? And when I talk about COVID-19, social distancing, wearing a mask, getting vaccinated, a lot of it was, hey, let's try to protect others 
who can't get vaccinated, right? Like if you're immunocompromised, you can't get vaccinated. Before this week, if you were under the age of five, you can't get vaccinated. Again, at the time, if you were under the age of 18, you couldn't get vaccinated. Like, so there were certain periods of time there's pandemic where you had significant populations who, even if they wanted to get vaccinated, even if their parents, their caretakers themselves wanted to get vaccinated, they could not. But now that has gotten to the point, again, thank you to the uh, FDA. And uh, for those who may not realize that what typically has to occur now is that once the FDA gives their initial like, yeah, we're okay with the findings and results from both the Moderna and Pfizer, then it's up to the CDC to say, yes, we're also okay with that. Go out and prosper, right? And it's a foregone conclusion. I can assure you that if the FDA approved it, the CDC is going to approve it. So that's more of a foregone conclusion more than anything else, right? So honestly, likely by the time you listen to this or um, watch this video on, on the YouTube channel, it will have already been approved by both the FDA and the CDC. And you guys could already likely start making your appointments at your local pharmacy for the vaccine, right? Likely by the time um, you get a chance to listen to this or watch this. But like that's that's kind of the next step of occurrence, right? Like we need the CDC to again give their check mark, say yes, we agree, right? But again, kind of going back to the story, once we get to the point where we're at now, where now we can protect the groups who couldn't be protected, you're gonna see a, a lack of empathy for people who end up becoming sick from COVID nineteen who happen to not be vaccinated, right? You're gonna see it. Right. Because that's just is what it is. Right. Because these same people have had to watch for two plus years. Those who are not vaccinated make up the most insane excuses and insane reasons why they weren't getting vaccinated. Right. Like if if you are getting vaccinated because you're like, yeah, I don't get vaccinated. Cool. Boom. You're over there. Right. But don't say, oh, I'm not getting vaccinated because this is some government plot. Oh, I'm not in vaccinated. I'm not getting vaccinated because the whole world colluded to create this virus. Oh, I'm not getting vaccinated because it's absolutely dangerous. Like when you make excuses that are absolutely false, when you make excuses like that, like like the empathy is not going to be there, right? But if you say, hey, you know, I'm not getting vaccinated, I want to get vaccinated, boom, great, right? And, I, and you know, especially a person like me, you, you if you watch me on this channel or my Real Physician React series, you know, I'm all about choice, right? You always have the choice to do what you want, right? So if you say, hey, you know what? I'm not getting vaccinated. And that's just that. Cool, right? That means you have that freedom of choice. But understand that freedom of choice is never, never equals freedom without your consequences, right? There may be some consequences associated with your choice. But once you make that choice, you should be okay with every consequence associated, right? So if a job says, hey, you can't work here because you're not vaccinated, tough, you know, tough, right? If the job says, hey, you can't travel here because you're not vaccinated, tough, right? Like a job says, you you know, you can't play in the NBA or you can't play in your, this home city if you're not vaccinated, right? That's tough, right? And it and I don't, I'm not going to say it sucks because it doesn't, right? Because they came with a rule. You decided you want to do your own rule. It, it is what it is, right? So I think you're going to see, especially as we move uh, towards this, that you're going to see a lot less empathy for those who have chosen just not to be vaccinated. Right. Especially if they get ill. Right. Like at the time I'm recording. Right. We have, you know, the uh, the Omicron subvariant that's been kind of creeping up. In fact, we've had monkeypox as well. Um, you know, you know, pay attention, check that episode out if you haven't had a chance. Um, so we, we've, we, we have things kind of bubbling. And, you know, do are we out 
of you know you know the win like as the pandemic and again like i said i know especially from a news cycle standpoint a lot of it is like you know um inflation inflation recession recession right so i know that's got a lot of the people but of course as a you know public health uh person like myself as a physician like myself like i still have to keep an eye on what's going on especially on the medical side so again we we know that again we we can't just kind of close this chapter on COVID 19 um but i can assure you that you have a lot of parents caretakers grandparents who are extremely happy right that this decision has finally come who can't wait uh to take to get their kids vaccinated uh, because you know the one the one thing that they want to be able to say is like okay i did not put my child at risk right like i i did everything i could to protect my child because that's because unfortunately like i said i've unfortunately i've taken care of many of families right where you know the nephew is the person who gave grandpa covid and end up dying right the niece is the one who gave mom COVID and she ends up dying, right? Like, so imagine the niece may be okay from COVID, but she's never going to be okay from the detrimental effects associated what COVID has done. And, and when I, I posted this video about just kind of the news about FDA, and of course, someone invariably said like, oh, it again, because you, I mean, you, you read the numbers, right? Oh, it, it, it doesn't even hurt uh, kids. Kids are fine. Like COVID, but again, remember, 0.4% people dying, right? Like, again, I think 0.4% is 0.4% too much. It just is what it is, right? Like, I think 0.4% is 0.4% too much of kids being uh, dying from a disease where if, you know, older individuals in their vicinity, in their circle, in their circle would just protect them by social distancing, wearing a mask, getting vaccinated, doing what they need to do to protect themselves from getting COVID, then they don't have to worry about it. So even if the numbers are small in terms of the disease severity and disease severity and deaths, right? You don't want that kid to get COVID nineteen, bring it to you, bring it to your doorstop, and then all of a sudden their parents get sick. All of a sudden, right, their grandparents get sick. Right? You don't want that to be a calamity, right? Like that's just again, that's just one. That's one thing when I think about what COVID nineteen has done. In the, during this pandemic and just in general, is that it showed for a lot of healthcare professionals, right? It showed that like we really, first of all, we would be, if a plague happened today, which again, you could consider COVID-19 a plague. If a plague happened today, it is clear that there are a lot of people who would fight to get that plague. There's a lot of people who like, no, it's my right to get that plague. Right. Like it's been it's as clear as day if if and we see the movies, right? We see the movies where like you have this deadly disease and people are having to like board themselves up, stay home to try to protect themselves. And we never think about a scenario that there may be people in that movie who actually say, no, 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 it's my right to get that deadly disease. I'm going to get it right. We never thought that that is a likely scenario. But unfortunately, with this COVID pandemic, as 100 percent shown, that there are people here who are 100% okay standing outside during the pandemic, right? Standing outside during a plague that's coming and, you know, ravaging, you know, the world, right? Like they're 100% okay with that because it's within their right. So again, that's just, it's just, it's just a funny scenario, right? Again, just, I think this is, again, just to kind of end, again, very joyous time for parents, healthcare professionals, um, you know, 
because again, we have that again. This is almost like the final piece, right? This is kind of the the last hoorah of uh, protection, right? And now we have this group who we weren't able to protect before. Right? I, I I remember talking to parents who whose kids were like four years old and like, man, I cannot wait to their fifth birthday, right? Because they couldn't wait to get to the point, right? So they they can finally vaccinate their kids and kind of. <sighs> breathe that sigh of relief to say like, all right, my kids are finally protected, man. So again, I am your truly Dr. Barry Pierre. Again, just bringing you some great news this week. Like I said, by the time um, you watch this or uh, listen to this recording, the CDC will likely already have approved uh, the vaccine, um, which again is the final step. And then you'll be able to kind of make your appointment. Um, please go to your local pharmacy. Again, because I know depending, you know, I know I, I have people listen to me everywhere. Go to your local pharmacy and figure out how you can uh, find out, um, you know, exactly how you can pick up a vaccine uh, for your little children, right? I'm your truly Dr. Barry Pierre, and I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the episode. I am yours truly Dr. Barry Pierre, favorite board certified internist. Like always, remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and more importantly, share this to at least two of the five of your friends and family members that you know that could be empowered with the words that you heard today again so appreciative of all you guys' support see you guys next week